0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week.
1: We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a
0: Survivor winner. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters podcast, where we take the intimidation out of well-being and beauty to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. We are sisters-in-law and your hosts. I'm Amy Sherman. And I'm Katie Chandler. So let's get into some real
2: conversation. Welcome back to the show, Nirvana Sisters family. It is Amy and Katie. And today we are sitting down with Dr. Angela Holiday Bell. Dr. Holiday Bell is a board-certified physician, certified sleep specialist, speaker, and founder of The Solution is Sleep LLC. As someone who formerly suffered from insomnia herself, she understands the transformative power of good quality sleep and how obtaining this regularly can lead to a happier, healthier, and more productive life. She's been featured on local and international television shows and networks such as The Dr. Phil Show, ABC News, and WGN Television, spreading her message about the power of good sleep. She also sits on the advisory board of Health Magazine and regularly contributes to a number of print and online publications, such as the Sleep Foundation, Women's Health Magazine, Well and Good, and Today Show. She also helps overwhelmed workers beat burnout and build resilience while increasing productivity and engagement through better sleep. So we are so incredibly excited to have you here because sleep is everything, if you ask me. So welcome to the show, Dr. Holiday Bell.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah,
2: we're excited.
0: Yes, welcome. Well,
2: let's kick it off.
0: I always tell my kids, sleep is medicine.
2: A hundred percent. Could not agree. (laughs) That's the truth. It really is. (laughs) We like to get started with a Nirvana of the week. Just a, a moment that brought you a little bit of joy this week. So Amy, let's start with you. What was your Nirvana this week?
0: Well, let's see, this week was a super busy week. And I think my nirvana this week was kind of a series of things. I just got a lot done. And I was very productive this week. And I feel like every time I'm productive, it makes me feel better. And I just feel accomplished and like really good. And so I just got a lot of things off my list and a lot of like projects done, um, work-wise and otherwise. So I was just feeling really like motivated this week. What about you, Katie? Nice.
2: Uh Mine, I think, is today this weather. I am in New England and it is typically very, very cold in February and we have a 50 degree day. The sun is high in the sky and shining and I can like feel the vitamin nice. D coming into my system. I've got the the happiness, joy of the vitamin D hitting me today. Um, so I, I think that would be mine. What about you, Dr. Holiday Bell?
1: Um, I I got to spend some time with my family and my parents um, this week. And I'm always so busy and like on the go that I don't often get that time. So it was really nice to just take a second to sit back and enjoy some time with family. Yeah, that
2: sounds great. That's always the absolute best. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's start out. I um, I have like, I, I don't know, I have a million questions, but I'll, I'll try to keep it reeled in. So to start out, let's hit some basics, right? How much sleep should we all be getting every night? Is there like a certain time should we all go to sleep at a certain time and wake up at a certain time? What's, you know, what what's the 101 there?
1: Yeah, that's a great question and one I get often and I always like to say Uh, sleep need is variable for every individual. So sleep need is like shoe size. There's no one size fits all. So most of us have heard that you need seven to eight hours. That's very much an average. Some people need six, very few people need six, but some people need six up to 10 hours. And so it's important to determine what that sleep need is for you and then aim to get that. So mine is nine hours. I know that I need a solid nine hours to feel rested. Seven hours, I'm exhausted. So
2: it's important to know what that number is for you and aim for that every night. And do you suggest, I've read before that it's good to go to sleep around the same time, like like have have a similar sleep pattern, start falling asleep, same time, waking up the same time as much as you can. And why is that beneficial if it is?
1: Yes, it's 100% beneficial, and that's because your circadian rhythm, which is the roughly 24-hour cycle that dictates many functions of your day-to-day life, but sleep is a big one, Uh, thrives on regularity and schedule. So the more that you keep your schedule consistent and, and honestly waking at the same time is even more important than going to sleep at the same time. The more you keep that consistent, the more you entrain your circadian rhythm or teach your circadian rhythm to start giving you alerting signals at the time that you want it to be. So at the same time each morning and then giving you signals to fall asleep at the same time each night. So it really makes it easier to fall asleep and wake up when you are keeping your schedule consistent. Is,
2: is that like same time 6 a.m. on the dot or do I have a window, let's say an hour or two, wiggle room?
1: Yeah, it's best to keep it literally as consistent as possible. So we, you know, in the sleep world will say, just set an alarm Monday through Sunday and have it be that same time. But, you know- to be fair and to be honest, there there is a little bit of wiggle room. Thirty minutes is probably the longest I will push it. Sometimes up to an hour, just depending on how uh, how it interferes with their sleep. Everyone is a little bit different with how much that may throw off their schedule. But keeping it as consistent as possible, even like down to the minute, will be the best uh, course of action.
0: Yeah, I was going to just make a comment that that totally makes sense because on the weekends. Because I'm not a morning person. I've become a morning person, obviously, with kids. And my husband's an early riser, so I've become a morning person. But on the weekends, I try to sometimes sleep late. And every time I do, I feel terrible that day. I'm like more tired, lethargic. And I always say to my husband, I'm like, it's so weird. It's because I got up late. But if I get up the same time every day, like I usually get up at 7 during the week, I feel a million times better.
1: Exactly. And that is your body telling you like, no, we need to keep this consistency. It's screaming for that. Even down to like meal times and the time you exercise, like your circadian rhythm actually controls many different functions in your body and really likes to keep it as routine and consistent as possible. Oh, that's
2: interesting. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. We've all heard melatonin, melatonin, melatonin. For a long time, I just thought melatonin was a pill that I took, but the, <laughs> it, melatonin is something we... Make, is that correct to tell what is melatonin, what is the science behind it, what triggers it, what inhibits it, et cetera?
1: Definitely. So melatonin is a natural hormone that we produce in our bodies from the pineal, pineal gland in your brain. There's also some research starting to come out showing that a lot of melatonin is produced in your gut, but the melatonin we think of that signals uh, sleep is producing your brain. So we produce that naturally. It does also come in supplement form. And I like to think of melatonin as the hormone of darkness. So as let's say, you know, before we had all the artificial lights that were, you know, keeping us up and awake at night, your circadian rhythm and the hormones that were released were regulated in large part by the the light and dark cycles that naturally occur in the the natural environment. So as the sun went down and you didn't have any more light to alert yourself, that's when that, that signified melatonin to be released. And melatonin helps to set the stage for sleep. So it signals to your body, okay, it's time to wind down, it's time to transition into sleep, and it allows you to make that transition um, easier. Light is going to be the strongest thing that inhibits that. So as we're spending a lot more time in artificial light, and and even if you're spending time outside, let's say on a late summer day when the sun is still out, that's going to be signaling to your body that it's time to be awake and be alert because there is light outside. So it inhibits the release of melatonin. So the way that I tend to, or the way that I tell people to um, utilize our own natural melatonin release is by decreasing the light emissions about two hours before bedtime as much as possible. So for some people, if you have to use, uh, if you have to like be on your computer during that time using uh, light, blue light blocking glasses, Simply, if you have uh, dimmers in your house, dimming the lights, turning off overhead lights and using instead uh, table lamps or candles, all of those things help to decrease the alerting signals from the light and signal to your brain that it's time to start releasing that melatonin.
0: That's- so I guess that means you shouldn't have a TV on in your bedroom. Which is-
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is why we say limit electronics because... The so you know, light is made up of different, a lot of different wavelengths, but the blue wavelength in particular is the strongest inhibitor of melatonin, and that is the more prominent wavelength that's in electronics like your television, your tablet, your phone, etc. So, it's best not to look at those things close to bedtime because you're going to be inhibiting that melatonin release, or at least use some something to block out the blue wavelength so that it's not so strongly inhibiting melatonin.
0: It's funny, we sometimes watch TV at night, but I fall asleep. So then I'm like, well, does it matter? Because I'm still falling asleep.
1: <laughs> that's actually a good point. So I like to say, generally speaking, if you're some people can literally sleep anywhere, anytime, no matter what their schedules are, what they're doing. Yeah, there that's me. An accident outside and they're fast asleep. Praise good. I'm so happy for you guys. I wish I had that ability. I absolutely <laughs> If you do, then, you know, you don't really need to change things up that much, right? Because it's working for you. And there there are differences in sleep reactivity, we call it. So I have a very high sleep reactivity. My environment really interferes with my sleep, stress, anxiety, all those things interfere significantly. My husband has a very low sleep reactivity. We could literally be getting robbed and he'll be, you know, passed out. And I'm like, what is, how are you sleeping through this? So Every, every person is different, but I would say for many people, and especially now that a lot of these things like electronics are more pervasive in our society, they are starting to see those effects. And so if you're yeah. one of those people that have problems sleeping, then try to limit those things close to bedtime.
0: Yeah, my husband is like you in that he is literally the worst, worst, worst sleeper. And so um, this episode to be very helpful for him to listen to as well, because he just really is uh, rough. And so is his mom. So it's the mm, runs yeah, of the family, I guess. We-
1: for sure.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I am more like you are Dr. Holiday Bell in that I have to have kind of like a a bedtime ritual. I have to shut the, the lights need to go down. I have to do the whole thing one to two hours before I want to be asleep. And if I can't, I'm inevitably up later and my sleep is disrupted. So like last Wednesday, we went on a random, uh, couple's night, which we never do during the week. And I didn't get home in, in my bed until 10 o'clock. I didn't fall asleep till midnight. So, you know, it's like, it's part of the routine. And I, I guess it's all triggering that melatonin. So when we take melatonin as a supplement, we're really just trying to replace the lack of what we're making or not making essentially.
1: Yeah. Essentially, or augmented, like the, the, the amount of melatonin we take in supplements is significantly more than what's produced by our uh, pineal gland, by our brains. Um, And so, you know, there's thoughts about whether or not we need that much. We actually often take way more than we need to trigger sleep, but it helps to just augment that process to help us secrete more so that it's moving our body towards preparation for sleep sooner than our natural release. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Um, Even though I am a good sleeper, I do find that when we do do more of a wind down routine and din the lights and like all that stuff, I do sleep more soundly and better and I don't get up in the middle of the night. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah,
2: I'm sure. And Adam, my Amy's my sister-in-law. So my husband is her brother. He sleeps like Amy sleeps. He sleeps like a rock. He could sleep through anything too. You guys have the good genes. Um, So some tips for, for falling asleep quickly. Do you have uh, anything particularly that our listeners would like for that?
1: Yeah. So I think establishing that bedtime routine, just like you guys both mentioned and alluded to, is so important because, you know, right now we live in such busy time. We all just talked about how busy, you know, we are. We were talking about our nirvana moments and we're working and we may be parents or taking care of spouses and doing all these things and our brains are going constantly. And then many of us treat sleep like it's a light switch. So we just turn off and like, okay, you can go to sleep. And again, there are those amazing, incredible superhumans that can do that. But for the most part, we can't. And so your brain needs that time to wind down and transition to sleep more than just even the melatonin release. Like one of my colleagues likes to say, brain waves have to slow down in order for sleep to happen. And that's very, very true. And so you're giving yourself and your brain that time to slow down. So just implementing a consistent bedtime routine will help you to fall asleep faster than if you all of a sudden try to go to sleep and then you're in bed tossing and turning and, you know, not able to do so. And then having a relaxation technique that you um, can engage in either regularly or after a particularly stressful day is super important. And what I mean by that is not just like, okay, I'm sitting down and I'm relaxing. There are actually techniques you can do that trigger your brain to slow your heart rate, slow your breathing rate, lower your blood pressure and signal to your brain that, oh, okay. Or signal to your body, okay, we are actually relaxed and now we can fall asleep. Because whether we know it or not when we're stressed or we're anxious and, and brain waves are going quickly, We start to breathe quicker. We take more shallow breaths. We do all these things that trigger to us that, oh, there is a reason that we need to be alert. And so by triggering the opposite of that, you tell your brain, there's no reason that we need to be alert. Now we can relax and now it's safe to go to sleep.
0: Okay. So what are some of those things like breathing exercises or?
1: Exactly. Yes. Breathing exercises. Diaphragmatic breathing is one of my favorites because you can do that Anywhere, it's easy to practice, it's an easy technique for most people to um, to grasp, and it literally is just practicing taking deep breaths. As I mentioned, we, we naturally breathe more shallowly, and so it doesn't allow our lungs to feel completely, and it doesn't trigger that parasympathetic nervous system or the one that slows everything down. So it's literally focusing and anchoring our breath so that we're breathing more deeply to trigger our bodies and our brains to say, oh, we must be relaxed because we're able to take these deep breaths, and that triggers a relaxation response. Something like progressive muscle relaxation, where you literally go through every part of your body and focus on tensing and relaxing each muscle in a, in a, um, in a specific way, in a specific fashion. That, that allows you to sense when you are tense and then to manually relax yourself is also helpful. Guided meditation. like I always recommend trying different ones, see what works well for you practice during the day when the stakes are not so high and you're trying to fall asleep and then incorporate that into a bedtime routine.
2: Oh, that's smart. Yeah. I've never thought about t- trying it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So without...
0: Yeah, go ahead. I
1: would say some people will try like, oh, I tried that last night and it didn't work and like I couldn't fall asleep. And that's because you're anxious and, and frustrated and trying to fall asleep. And you're like, hey, <sighs> <laughs> that's not going to work. But if you practice it during the day when there's nothing on the line, it's not high stakes. You're just teaching yourself how to trigger that, then you're going to be more effective at doing it at night. So I always say, practice it just 10 minutes during the day and you get better at it and then you can incorporate it at night.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea. Really smart. Um, So what would you say for people, and I have this a lot and so does my husband, where you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or whatever, and then you can't fall back asleep because your mind starts racing?
1: Mm-hmm. So common. We call it the three AM syndrome because for some reason it's always like around three AM for me.
0: You're so right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you get up, and so there are a couple of factors there. the The first thing is your sleep drive. There's actually like a we call it process set. So your drive to sleep decreases the more you sleep. Makes sense, right? And so the closer you get to morning, the more you've slept off that sleep drive. So that drive to sleep is decreasing. Um, And then we're getting closer to the morning hours where your alerting factors from your circadian rhythm will start to pick up. So it makes sense that it's going to be harder to stay asleep at that time, especially if you have a reason you woke up, like going to the bathroom and so on. And then you start ruminating on thoughts and things like that, that make it even more difficult to fall asleep. So I first like to start by telling people that waking up in the middle of the night is not a problem. That in and of itself is normal. You're human. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night. We actually wake up several times as we transition through sleep cycles because some people start to focus too much on that part. Oh, I'm waking up. That's fine. The problem is not being able to fall back asleep. So a normal sleep latency or time it takes to fall asleep either at the beginning or the middle of the night is actually up to 20 minutes. Mm. If it takes you down to fall asleep, fine. Try to do your deep breathing. Try to do some relaxing activity until you fall asleep. But if you are not falling asleep after that 20 minutes, the the recommendation is actually to get up and out of your bed and do a relaxing activity like reading a book, meditation, something like that until you fall back asleep. The reason for this is for individuals to say every night at 3 a.m. I wake up, I get in bed, I can't fall asleep. I'm tossing and turning for two hours and it's five and I finally fall back asleep then my alarm goes off. You're teaching your brain that that's what we do at 3 a.m. in the bed, is that we wake up, we toss and turn, we're frustrated, we're anxious, and we can't fall asleep. And that entrains your brain that that is what you do. And you start to connect those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions with being in the bed rather than sleep. So you want to break that cycle by getting out of your bed, doing something else to induce sleepiness, and then getting back in bed only when you're sleepy again. That helps to reestablish that relationship and makes it less likely that you'll be up for the same amount of time in subsequent nights.
2: Wow, has Stu ever tried that, Amy? Her husband is notorious for waking in the middle of the night and not being able to fall back asleep.
0: Uh I don't know. I'll have to i have to ask him. I mean, I know sometimes he's like gone downstairs and got something to eat or like something like that. And he's gone back to sleep. But yeah, I mean, he's he's done it all, who knows? But that's a good idea to just get out of the bed and stop tossing oh and turning. Yeah.
1: And the key is not to engage in other stimulating activities. So, some people are like, okay, I'm going to be on my phone, or I'm going to, you know, watch some Netflix shows. All that is doing is further right waking you up more, really stimulating you, or even eating because then that teaches your body again, this is when we eat. So then what happens is your digestive hormones start to release at around 3 a.m. because now it learns, oh, I'm preparing for a meal because at 3 a.m. we eat. So it's very important to choose specific activities that are gonna be conducive to feeling sleep again rather than stimulating or a signal that you should be doing something else.
2: Interesting. All right, so I have a question related to sleep and our metabolism and our weight and everything. I noticed that um, when I am able to get consistent more longer sleep. I just like naturally shed pounds without even trying almost. And when my schedule is more, especially like maybe during the school year, I have to be up by 6am to get the kids to school and whatnot. It's not as easy. So, you know, it's, it, it just seems to be a pattern. Like I feel like I'm not burning as much at night sometimes as maybe I once did. What's, what's that all about?
1: Yeah. So you are absolutely right in what you're feeling in that sleep is a huge regulator of your metabolism. And I, for anyone who's on any type of fitness journey, I say one of the best things you can do, it's it's exercise. Nutrition, sleep, it's right at the same level. And the reason for that is that your hormonal regulation occurs via sleep. So the hormone that makes you feel hungry, ghrelin, is actually secreted in larger quantities when you are not sleeping well or you, get, you don't get sufficient sleep. And the hormone leptin that makes you feel full is secreted in lower quantities. Your metabolism actually slows down when you're not getting sufficient sleep and then you're less likely to move or burn calories when you're awake. When you're not getting sufficient sleep. So it's actually the perfect setup for you to, to gain weight. And that is why insufficient sleep leads to obesity is it's its independent risk factor for obesity is insufficient sleep. So it's super important um from that standpoint to make sure, whether you're on a finished journey or not, that you're getting adequate sleep because your body actually almost like works to gain weight when you're not getting
2: enough sleep. Yeah, it's wild that it regulates all of that. I've definitely you know, I do notice that when I don't get a good night's sleep, I, I'm like, I, I want to like nosh all day long. I'm hungrier. Totally. And I always thought, oh, I'm reaching for this for the energy that my body is, is missing. But meanwhile, it's, it's a hormonal thing. That's really interesting. Hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And you're just more likely to make poorer food choices. So when you're sleep derived, you're less likely to grab that salad and you're more likely to grab that donut because it's about, you know, the immediate satisfaction of that. You're less, your rational mind and your frontal lobe are less active when you're not getting enough sleep. So you're less likely to think through the benefits of the salad versus the donut. You just want the donut. And so all those things lead to poor Um poor well, weight gain and then poor metabolism.
2: And does the quality of sleep matter? Like I, I know REM sleep, right? So let's let's touch on that really quickly. What is REM sleep and how why is it so important? How do we achieve it? Yeah, you
1: know, it's all so funny. There's been a lot of focus on REM sleep lately and REM sleep is important, but so are all the other stages. So I'd like to say, you know, so there are Four main stages of sleep. You have in one sleep, which you're super light, like as you're kind of drifting off, you may not even know you're sleeping that stage. Into sleep is a little bit deeper, but not the deep sleep. In three is deep sleep, which is actually that restorative sleep that we say in three, deep sleep is restorative for the body, REM sleep is restorative for the brain. It's not that, you know, clear cut, but that's just kind of the way we think of it. And then REM sleep is a sleep that most of you, not all, but most of your dreaming occurs in, and your emotional regulation, your memories are laid down in that stage. So it's very restorative for the brain. But all of those stages are are important and you cycle through them throughout the night. So I've had people ask like, well, how do I get more REM sleep? And the answer is to get more sleep. Like you, you just need to get more sleep and your body will give you the amount of those stages that you need with that, the caveat that if you're not getting enough sleep in general, your body will try to make up for certain amounts that it's missing. So you are likely to have more REM, REM catch up, what we call it REM rebound sleep when you're catching up from not getting enough sleep. But if you're sleeping well, you spend about 20% of your time in the deep sleep, 25% of your time in REM the other amount in the lighter stages. Um, now there are medications and um, alcohol can interfere with REM sleep. So that can make you have less sleep. So you want to for medications, you speak to your doctor about it. Sometimes benefits outweigh the uh, the risks of that. And then you don't want to drink alcohol too close to that time for it's just disruptful so it to sleep in general. But other than that, there's not a big way to target, okay. I'm just I want more REM sleep tonight, more deep sleep. Just get more sleep, and then your body will regulate how much of each of those stages you get. Okay.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not like it's not like when you're working out at the gym and you're like, today, I want to focus on my arms. It's like your body (laughs) is going to do it for you as long as you're sleeping. I had a question about um, jet lag. um, And like how if you're traveling, can you regulate your sleep? Um, Any tips on that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So jet lag is a um is a time when melatonin actually plays a big factor, supplemental melatonin, because you're thrown your circadian rhythm is thrown off from when it would naturally produce melatonin, which is really what causes the jet lag. So, for instance, if you are – so, the first thing I recommend is trying to travel overnight in general. Like, if you can travel overnight and get to the next place in the daytime and sleep on the plane, that's a good way to kind of slowly get your body into the next time zone. The other thing, actually, even before that is adjusting to the time zone even before you leave. So, if you are going somewhere in which your – your sleep time will be later than your current sleep time. Actually adjusting by about 20 minutes each night prior to leaving will help to slowly get your body used to it because it takes about a day, we say, for each hour time zone difference for your body to adjust. So if you can slowly do that, it makes that happen faster. Hmm. The other thing is light. Light is so important. Like I said, it's a it's a strong factor in regulating the circadian rhythm and inhibiting melatonin release. So if you get somewhere in what would be your native nighttime but it's daytime in that place you need to be out in the sun out in the day get natural light because that sends alerting signals to your circadian rhythm say oh actually it's not night it's daytime you need to be awake and then as it gets closer to nighttime take melatonin so that because it's it's unlikely for your natural melatonin release to occur because it's not used to being released at that time but you take melatonin to signify to your body that it is nighttime it's the darkness here and that helps to transition
2: things Hmm those are great tips. Thanks. Absolutely. I know that can be such a crusher. Um, so let's talk about some sleep disorders. I, I know of sleep apnea, but are there others? What are they? And how would someone know that they're suffering from them?
1: Yeah. So as you mentioned, sleep apnea is probably the biggest one and can have some really significant consequences for health down the line. So that's always one that I recommend getting checked for if you're concerned. So if you're snoring every night, if you are uh, taking pauses in your breathing, waking up, gasping for air, waking up with morning headaches, definitely recommend getting assessed for sleep apnea. Another fairly common one, and I think way more common than we even know, is something called restless leg syndrome. And that is when you have this urge to move your legs, but really it can be any part of your body, mostly the legs, but it can actually be the arms, um, as it gets later into the night and it makes it difficult to fall asleep and to get good quality sleep because as you're going throughout the sleep stages, you have this urge to move and it kind of alerts you before you can get into the deeper stages. And so it causes poor quality sleep. A very common, uh, well, one common cause of that is iron deficiency. So it's actually one that we oftentimes can manage and actually have a, you know, a treatment for. So the problem is a lot of people don't know. So they are not like, oh, I have this urge to move my legs or before I go to sleep. And then, you know, they don't know that that is a thing. So education is key. And it's also why I tell people, if you're having problems sleeping, Talk to your provider about it. Like People treat sleep issues as if they're just doomed to have them forever and there's nothing you can do about them. But sleep is so important and integral to health. Like If you broke your leg, you would just like, oh, guess my leg is broke. Nothing I can do about that. You would go to the doctor. You would get it fixed. Same thing for sleep because there are things that you may not know to be assessed for. So bring it up. Um, similar to restless sex syndrome, there's something called periodic limb movement disorder, um, it's similar in that it, it's movements that disrupt the quality of sleep, but it doesn't interfere with the ability to fall asleep. Generally, it happens like while you're sleeping, you're not necessarily aware of it. You just know that no matter how much sleep I get, I'm not getting quality sleep. I'm exhausted all the time. Um, and then you get a sleep study to diagnose any one of those things. So that's where you go to a sleep laboratory. They hook you up to these things. You sleep there. Now they actually have at home tests that you can do for some as well, um, and then they assess your movements, your breathing, your oxygen level while you're sleeping, and then determine whether you have any of those things. So I would say those three are the most common.
2: I actually uh, this past like summer, I want to say I was diagnosed with sleep apnea, but it was strange because I it took me maybe six months to realize what was happening because it, it was like low lying. So I was shocked when I realized that that's what it was because I. I would wake up a lot, but like, I wasn't waking up and bright eyed. I would just, it's that kind of thing where you wake up and you, sometimes you open your eyes. Sometimes you don't, you fall back asleep. But what I didn't realize what I, I was doing that like a hundred times a night. So I was having mm-hmm. really disruptive sleep and I, you know, wasn't, wasn't feeling good, but I never in a million years would have thought, Sleep apnea, you know and since since then and and using a mouthpiece and um just you know good old snore strips, I sleep a lot deeper so it's fortunately mine's an easy fix um but yeah it's it, I think people can be surprised like I it's, when you think of sleep apnea you think of someone that is typically like pretty overweight right that is that the that's usually the standard that causes sleep apnea but you can also have obstructive airway, which is what I have and so I don't know I think Essentially, why I'm saying this is if you feel draggy all day long, if you feel starving all the time, if you like are gaining weight and you can't lose the weight or whatever it may be, maybe look into your sleep, right?
1: 100, you hit the nail on the head. And sleep apnea is much more, is often less diagnosed than women because of the reasons that you said. It tends to be milder, it's not your typical overweight, middle-aged male, which is what we we think of with sleep apnea, um, you may not even be snoring, right? Like you said, you're just kind of like waking up multiple times, not really, you know, aware of it. And it's often misdiagnosed as like anxiety or depression because Insufficient sleep for a long period of time independently increases your risk of having those things. But instead of getting at the underlying disorders, like, oh, you just have anxiety. Oh, you're just depressed. You're just these things. And we don't think to look into uh, things that are interfering with sleep. So you're absolutely right. It can be so mild and it can be something that you're not aware of, which is why it's important to talk about it. As I'm a physician, you know, and a sleep specialist, but separately in my role as a physician, every visit I'm asking, how are you sleeping? Because it's important. Um, and a lot of people don't think to even bring that up for themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's, yeah, such a good point. So um, talking about getting that good atmosphere for sleeping, is there, I always hear, and you never know what's true or what's not, but is there a good like temperature to sleep in? I heard the colder, the better, but I want to get your, your official answer on that one.
1: Yeah. When it comes to setting up your sleep environment, I like to say, keep it cold, dark, and quiet. And the reason for the cold statement is that your body temperature has to decrease by one to three degrees in order to facilitate the transition to sleep. Um, It's actually one of the things that also uh, triggers your, your peak melatonin release is when your body temperature decreases. And so... In the literature, you'll see temperature recommendations of 62 to 68 degrees, and some people look at me like I'm crazy when I say that, and they're like, what? I keep my house at 80? That sounds so cold. (laughs) And you know, it's, it kind of goes back to shoe size and that there is no one size fits all, right? So I say, if you're walking around comfortably in your home at 80, before you go to sleep, put it on to 77. You know, it's not an absolute number. It's just, it needs to be, it should be decreased from your baseline when you're walking around in order to facilitate that transition. Um, and then blocking out light, blocking out sound, sounds
2: because that can interfere with sleep too. Yeah, I like a cold. What about you, Amy? I keep it cold.
0: Well, it's funny. I the older I get, the colder I like it. I, but I I hate. Being, but I feel like I always get into bed and I'm freezing. Um, and my feet are always cold. So then I put socks on, and then I warm up, and then I take the socks off in the middle of the night sometimes because I get like hot and cold. But um, I do find it easier to sleep when it's cold because you can get all wrapped up, up and everything. Yeah. And I was gonna ask about that too. Like, do you have favorite? Um, Katie and I are really into a weighted blanket. But do you have like favorite kind of sleep items, sheets, PJs, like all that kind of stuff that you would uh, recommend?
1: Yes. Anyone who knows me knows that I do not go anywhere. Like I don't spend a night in my own bed, in a hotel, anywhere without my blackout mask. Um, It's like I have to have it. Like if I forget to pack it, I'm going crazy. And that's because I – like I said, my sleep reactivity is so high. So any light that's coming through my eyelids – it's not good, yeah. And I have like the plush blackout. Mask. I'm not talking about like the little mask they give you on the plane, like the real deal 3D blackout mask with the plush uh, cups. And the ones that I use actually have uh, built-in speakers. So if I want to, you know, do a sleep meditation before I fall asleep, it's like easy to do that. Oh, that's but that cool. Is, like, Number one, I have to have my blackout sleep mask. I also sleep with a fan every single night. Um, so in addition to turning the temperature down, I need a fan. On, I mean, I'm in Chicago. It's wintertime. I sleep with my fan every single night. Mm. I have a little travel fan that I take with me, again, because it's hard to control the temperature in some areas. So I have a travel fan. I sit right there next to me on the nice fan. So I would say those are my two
2: like must-haves Cannot sleep without.
0: Do you? What do you think of the noise of the fan, too, is probably relaxing, I would think.
2: Exactly. Yeah. What about sunrise timers? Those are new and we've reviewed a couple. I know, Amy, you have one that you love, right? Is it The Hatch?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel um, about that? Yeah, I had one from Amazon and now I have The Hatch, which I've had and I need to set up. But I, my waking up game has significantly increased using those because it's not so harsh. It's like a gentle tap.
1: Yes, I love Hatch. I love Hatch. Um, it's a great, like I said, gentle way to wake up. So so, you know, historically, that's how we were signaled to wake up was from sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, sending those alerting factors to our circadian rhythm and saying, OK, stop melatonin release. It's time to wake up. So it's such a gentler, more natural way to wake up. So I absolutely love Hatch because I sleep with my blackout mask. It doesn't work as much for me. because That makes sense. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so unfortunately I personally don't utilize that as much, but for individuals like don't like blackout masks or whatever, don't sleep with them. I always recommend a good sunrise clock because it it just makes it gentle. You just start your day so much better. It's, it's more natural. Like I, I love a good sunrise clock. And I also recommend blackout curtains. Like I have like two sets of blackout curtains on my window. Uh, so you're not getting that natural light from outside. So it is helpful to kind of recreate that through something like a sunrise alarm clock.
0: Yeah. If it was up to me, I would sleep with the windows open because I love the natural light coming in the room in the morning. Um, but again, like I said, my husband's like you, he's got the mask, the earplugs, the whole thing. Um, and then what about beds? Do you have a certain bed that you like that is like game changing for you for sleep?
1: You know, so I've gone through several, <laughs> I went through several different beds. What what I would say in general, what I found is that it, beds are very it, it's different for different individuals so I am someone I'm a stomach sleeper but I like a soft bed which doesn't really make sense in, in the sleep space because if you are some sleeper they typically recommend more firm mattresses um because it's better for your back whatever for me when I've tried to do like okay yes I'm gonna do this and because that's what I should do I just sleep horribly like I mm-hmm. like a nice soft like a cloud, like as soft as possible. Um, and so I really, I think it's important to just find out what is most comfortable for you in investing in that though, like a good solid mattress is gonna work wonders for your sleep. So it is worth the investment. I will say there's a um, brand of mattress called Kingsdown that has a line that uh, has separate comfort levels or firmness levels on each side. Oh my so God. like God. You know, the husband likes, like my husband prefers a firmer and I prefer as soft as possible. You can actually get the two different uh, preferences built into the same mattress. Oh and my I love gosh. that because that, that can really make a huge difference. So that's a one brand that I think does that well, but in general finding what feels good and comfortable to you and making that investment.
0: Would you say that would be the same thing with like, um, pajamas and what you wear to sleep because like it's funny I like to wear you know like pajama pants and a t-shirt and some people wear like shorts and a tank top and I would be freezing all night they're like yeah
2: like I feel like like an eight-year-old woman in my nightgown
0: (laughs) yeah like I couldn't wear a nightgown that would make me cold
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think when it comes to what you sleep in, the fabric is more important than even like the type of clothing. So it, it's helpful to wear light, breezy, like cotton, moisture wicking fabrics, because if you have some that hold too much heat, again, it causes uh, you to warm up too much and you can interfere with sleep. But for some people, they like to sleep in the nude. Some people, they like, you know, the full shebang pants, you know, long sleeves. I think whatever makes you comfortable and not too
2: hot
0: uh, is going to be the best thing to sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. This is all
2: such great information. I I feel like we could probably keep going and going and going, but.
0: I know there's so many, there's so many more questions, but we know you have an amazing Instagram feed with so much good sleep content. So I know a lot of our listeners are always asking questions about sleep. So we definitely want to make sure that people are checking you out. Your Instagram is the sleep underscore MD. That's correct, right?
2: That's correct. Yeah. Yeah
0: lots of great content on that. And
2: where can our listeners find you if they want to work with you? Because um, as a sleep specialist.
1: Yeah, so you can find me at my website, uh, www.thesolutionissleep.com. I offer a range of services for a range of sleep issues. If you're someone who just is like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know I need to get my sleep on track. Or if you're someone who <laughs> you suffer from chronic long-term insomnia and you've tried all the normal sleep hygiene things and it hasn't worked, I offer cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, which is a longer-term process to really dig deep into the root causes of insomnia and go into some therapeutic strategies to improve it. Um, and then on a business corporate level, I work with different corporations to help their employees get better sleep because we know that sleep improves productivity, efficiency, um, and the overall bottom line. Companies are, you know, lose or they yeah, basically lose less money per employee if the employees are sleeping well and they're uh, investing in employee sleep. So I also offer that. So just head on over to my website, check that out. Um, and you can also find me on LinkedIn at Dr. Holiday Bell. I try to give more longer form content than I can give on Instagram. Yeah. So any of uh, any of those avenues
2: are great. That's great. It's amazing. It's so true. Like sleep is absolutely everything. You know, all these people that are like, wake up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym and and do all of this. I'm thinking now, like I need that extra one or two hours of sleep. <laughs> like that is, I'm prioritizing that. And I'm a morning person. hundred yeah. percent. You will get more
1: done in your day if you've dedicated the time to getting your sleep need than if you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, wake up so early and go to sleep late. Like you're actually more likely to get less done in that time than if you just prioritize sleep. So start with sleep in mind. And, you know, uh, adjust the rest of your day around that is what I like to say.
0: Nice. Well, there you go. And you heard it here. So true. All right, so we're going to get into our wrap session. So what is your favorite wellness or beauty hack? sleep
1: shocker but it's so true sleep is good for the skin it's good to keep you young like sleep is always my answer
2: all right this next one we call it our five minute flow you just got out of the shower uber's pinged you they're five minutes away what are you gonna do to get out the door and get into that uber on time what are your holy grails your go-to what's the quick routine
1: Yeah. So I am, I'm like a, my skincare is super important to me. So I'm always going to have a good, I like the CeraVe and the Ordinary products. So good face wash, sunscreen is so important. So if nothing else, face wash, moisturize, sunscreen, maybe a tinted moisturizer. Eyebrows are also important to me. So
2: fill those in, lip gloss and out the door. Nice. Yeah. We were just, your skin's gorgeous. I was. uh, Yeah, it's beautiful. We were just talking about (laughs) our love for CeraVe and the
0: Ordinary like two hours ago, Amy and I, it's funny.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. And how do you maintain your daily nirvana?
1: You know, self-care, prioritizing what makes me happy um, and what allows me to be the best that I can for everyone else and all the roles that I play And I really, that's something fairly recent for me. I would say in the past couple of years, I started to invest in and it's really changed my entire like outlook on life um, and who I am as a person. So prioritizing my sleep, exercise, um, taking care of my skin, just the little things that like make me feel
2: like me and allow me to be the best version of me for everyone else. Mm, So important. The magic recipe right there. We really appreciate your time. And I know our listeners are going to get so much from this. Um, I'm definitely going to be sleeping better now as well. Uh, So thank you for being (laughs) with us. And before Mm -hmm. we go, we'd like to close with a little mantra. So Amy, what do you have for us?
0: So I took a mantra or a quote from Dr. Holiday Bell on her Instagram feed, and I just thought it was so relevant for our conversation. And that quote is, sometimes the most productive thing you can do is rest. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) It's love it. it. I have to say, I had a quote too from Dr. Holiday Bell's feed because it was so good. So I think we need to drop this one as well. Let's hear it. Rest is not the absence of activity, but the presence of peace. And I love that. It's such a good reminder. And like to give yourself permission to rest, right?
1: Yes, absolutely, because you're being productive by resting and refilling your own cup. So I love that. Thank you,
0: guys. That's so great. Thank you for joining us. And we would love to have you back anytime. This is such an important topic. And I think it's gotten a lot of visibility over the last few years. And it's like a continuing subject I feel like I see all the time in the media. So thank you again.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I'd be happy to come back.